what I want to do is I want to bring a message to you entitled Getting Unstuck. Getting Unstuck. And let's pray. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for this time. We thank you for the Washington Nationals and the World Series win. God, help me and help us listen with our hearts. In Jesus' name, amen. (laughs) Come on now. Amen, amen. Maybe you're new and you're like, why do you clap about everything? We're the happy clappies. So we don't think church is a place that should be endured. It should be enjoyed. So yes, yes. Okay, yeah, there it is. Yes, yes. We got little cute sayings like that, endure it, enjoy it. All right, all right, reference. All right, Numbers 14. We're not going to go here, but I do want to start out with this story from Numbers chapter 14. If you need, if you're taking notes and you need a reference point. Um, The children of Israel have been uh, set free, taken out of Egypt. The word Egypt means sin. It's a foreshadowing of our life before Jesus. Uh, When you come to Christ, you are not perfect, Um, but, but all of your past, present, and future sins are washed away. And so God chose uh, the children of Israel. He even told them, I think it's in Deuteronomy, he said, I didn't choose you because you were great. I chose you because you were the least. And so there's something about the underdog that God is, is attracted to. And so, um, uh, you know, long story from Abraham and Joseph and his People getting stuck in Egypt for 400 years, slavery. Um, They cried unto God. Exodus 3 says that God heard the cry of his people. And so he came down and he met Moses. And he said, you're going to take my people from slavery to a land flowing with milk and honey. Now, if we were to get deeper theologically, uh, we do understand that Jesus is our promised land. And that when you accept Christ, he's in your heart. Um, But I like to take that further. I like to say if I've accepted Christ, there's still more for my life. As I grow in him on the inside, there's still more for me on the outside. Um, If you're still alive, God is not finished with you. So I get all that. Jesus is my promised land. But no, God has some promises for my life. So Um, so in Numbers 14, uh, they're in the wilderness. They've left Egypt. They're in the wilderness. And Moses sends 12 spies into the promised land. And um, he says, go and tell us about the land, bring back some of the fruit, because God sent them into the promised land during the ripe season. So all the trees were filled with fruit. God is so good that he'll give you a picture of your future. And um, I love when he gives us a picture of our future, a picture of our families, um, of our destinies, um, because when he gives you a picture of something, it's a real thing. It's tangible. So he said, bring the fruit back. It is my thought that when you read Numbers 13, if you're taking notes, because like I said, we're not going to pop it up. When you read Numbers 13, um, that there were two of the 12 spies bringing the fruit back into the wilderness. And I think that those two two men were Caleb and Joshua. And um, so they came back and they issued the report to two million people. And they said, the land is amazing. God is good. All we have to do is trust God. That was Joshua and Caleb. The other 10 leaders, this is why... Leadership is so important. The other 10 leaders said, yeah, it's great and it's good, but we can't do it. It's going to be too hard. It's going to take too long. We can't do it. 
And so the entire community turned against Moses, Aaron, Joshua, and Caleb, and they wanted to kill them. And so God comes down, and he tells Moses, like, I'm going to kill them all because <laughs> they don't believe me. And, um, and so Moses intercedes for the people. He says, no, 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 give them a second chance, so on and so forth. And so God says, okay, this is what I'll do. Everyone over the age of 20 will die in this wilderness. Um, only Joshua and Caleb will enter into the promised land because of their faith, because they're unified around division, because they see bigger than where they are, because they believe I'm here, they're going to enter into the promised land, and they're going to so serve me wholeheartedly. And he said that, but they're going to spend one year for every day that they spied out the promised land. So they spied out the promised land for 40 days. So you're saying 40 years is going to be the sentence. This is crazy to me because on one hand, you have God's approval. Joshua and Caleb, they're going in. But on the other hand, same token, different side of the coin. Joshua and Caleb are stuck for 40 years for something they didn't do. But they're stuck. And the question now becomes, what do you do when you feel stuck? You know God loves you. You know that God is good. You know that he's faithful. You've seen him work in your past, but for whatever reason, you still feel stuck in certain areas of your life. So we're going to unpack this today, and um, I'm going to offer up a few thoughts. Some of us feel stuck right now in a, in a bad habit or addiction. For some of you, you, you want freedom, you want your relationship to change and to progress, but you feel stuck in an unhealthy season or an unhealthy relationship. For some of you, you feel stuck in your singleness. Like, Lord, see, there it is. I know I've struck something. You feel stuck. Oh, boy. All right, let me. Oh, my God. So it's pretty safe to say we should do a relationship series in February? Okay. All right. All right. All right. All right. Y'all, boy. That's all y'all want is a wife or a husband. That's all. All you go get is more problems. I can't wait for that series, mind you. Anyways, I love it. I love it. We're praying for you all. But, um... But you feel stuck. For some of you, it can be debt. You feel like you're in over your head and like I'm, I'm trying to make the minimum payments, but nothing seems to be budging. But you feel stuck and no one wants to be stuck. So I want to offer four thoughts and um, some verses and, and we're going to go here. So how to get unstuck. Number one, I believe you got to celebrate the good. That's the first thing you got to do. You got to learn to celebrate the good. But I'm stuck, and it sucks. Well, you, you got to find the good in it. I was having dinner uh, with a young man. He, he's a leader here at our church. Um, he's a great guy. It was at the top of the summer, and we were eating, and he just said, Pastor, you know, I just, he said, you know, finances are doing fine. Marriage is fine. Kids are good. But I just feel stuck spiritually. I don't, I want to grow. Like, what's my next step? I, I, I feel stuck and I, I just 
asked him a simple question. I said, have you, no, I didn't, before I said that, let me tell you, well, I preached at him, you know, I got to preach at you. You know, preachers go preach when you sit down and eat, but I went in and I said this, I said, um, because I was even talking with my barber about this as well, I said, there's a, I said, we focus so much on, on possession, um, rightfully so, I'm sure Joshua and Caleb, they wanted that fruit to be a permanent thing. Like, do we got to leave? You know, like when you're in a candy shop when you're a kid, do we got to go? Toy shop, do we got to go, dad? They had to leave because it was only evidence of God's goodness. And so a lot of us focus on the possession of a thing. And I was telling my barber and this, this gentleman at the top of the summer that the focus should be more on progression, wow. not possession. That's good. Because if you make progress in your faith, if you make progress in your reading of Scripture, right, right, right. if you progress, make progress in your prayer life, yeah. in your serving, yeah. in your giving, yeah. it is inevitable that you're going to possess what God has for you. It's inevitable. And so we're so focused on possessing. And this is why Instagram and Facebook and social media are so tempting all the time. Because we get that instant gratification from seeing a thing. And it releases endorphins and we just keep on going. We're able to, I don't know, kind of live in a moment that we're really not living in simply because we're looking at something. Um, When God is saying the focus should be progression, should be growth. You can even read it. When when God um, sentenced them to 40 years in the wilderness... If you go to Deuteronomy 8, 1 through 10, you'll see where God told them, I, I, I placed you in the wilderness to humble you, to see what was in your heart, to prepare you for the promised land, because it was promised land. So it was already theirs. They just hadn't, hadn't possessed it yet, right? So, if, well, this is not a smart question, but you've been in a red light, at a red light before. You've been number five or six in line, and the light turns from red to green, and you're like, why am I not going? (laughs) The other day, I was number one in line. The light turned green. I promise it had just turned green. I promise. But, man, the Maryland drivers are so aggressive. Like, be nice. Can I get over? No. Just go. Florida, California, oh, you got like a car, just a car, just in front of you. Can I get over? Oh, yeah, let me slow down for you and let you on in. Maryland, uh-uh, you ain't getting over. So I'm, in, I'm, in, I'm the first one in line the other day. The light had just turned green. <laughs> Beep. I've developed a bad habit of beeping back. <laughs> Beep. I look at him. A lot of y'all looking at me with your church face on. You're a pastor. You shouldn't beat people. Well, don't beat me and I won't beep you. I'm a human. I get hungry. I like Coca-Cola. I like to go to the movies. I'm a human. You feel me? Like, but anyway, I'm sorry. Where was I at? Oh, yeah, so you can be number six in line, Aaron, and, and the lights turn green. You're like, why am I? Because this is the thing. It's your time, but it's not your turn. Right? So 40 years, you're going to the promised land. It's just not your turn yet. 
so what do I do in year four and year six and year seven? And man, it's 23 years, 17 more years. It's not your turn yet. So there's even a, a, an instruction in the Old Testament in your Bible where God tells them to uh, celebrate. It's called the Feast of Tabernacles, where um, I think it was three times out of the year, God instructed them to stop and celebrate. And, and so what I got to with this young man was, have you celebrated consistency? I want to grow. I want to grow. If you haven't commemorated your progress, wow. if you haven't taken the time to, to commemorate how far you've come, chances are you won't even see or the door to more progress won't even open in your heart and in your mind because you haven't taken the time. So I asked him, I said, where were you a year ago? Well, didn't have a job. and Marriage was rocky. Finances were always struggling. Got a job. Growing in your marriage. Finances are okay. Have you stopped to celebrate that you've been consistent? You're serving in a church. You're a leader. You're pouring out. You're faithful to God. You're in your home. You got to stop and celebrate. And I mean, you, you got to get, get tangible with this stuff. Like, yeah, man, you know, last semester I had a C and I made a B. Great. Go out to eat on your B. Go buy a shirt. Go, go do something fun. Uh, it, it's sometimes, watch this, sometimes the most spiritual thing you can do is stop and have some fun. And stop and have some fun. Quote this down. I don't have it on the screen. But I think it's Nehemiah chapter 8, verse 10, or chapter 8, verse 15. But when you go home, read that in your NLT translation. And God instructs his children to have fun. Sometimes it's the most spiritual thing you can do. I ain't talking about that crazy fun where you wake up the next morning and you have a bad headache. <clears throat> I'm talking about wholesome fun. Dave and Buster's fun. Yeah, that's okay. All right, all right, all right. Cool, cool, cool. I want to I illustrate this through this story. 1 Samuel 14, verse 24. Okay? Here it is. <laughs> this is interesting. Now, the men of Israel were pressed to exhaustion that day because Saul, Saul is the king, placed them under an oath, saying, Let a curse fall on anyone who eats before evening, before I have full revenge on my enemies. So, the army has been fighting, 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 fighting. They've made progress, but the king said, let a curse befall the person who eats before we have complete victory, before we possess it. Let's keep reading here. So no one ate anything all day, even though they had all found honeycomb on the ground in the forest. So they're salivating like, whew, man, that was a hard battle. Man, we we're winning it. We're progressing. Can we just have some of this honey? And so it says it here, even though they had all day. Verse 26, they didn't dare touch the honey because of the fear of the oath. Verse 27, but Jonathan had not heard his father's command, and he dipped the end of his stick into a piece of honeycomb and ate the honey. So the prince didn't hear it. He's like, man, it's time to celebrate. It's time to eat. And it says this here, after he had eaten it, he felt refreshed. But one of the men saw him and said, your father made the army take a strict oath that anyone who eats food today will be cursed. That is why everyone is weary and faint. Chances are 
you're weary and faint because you haven't stopped to celebrate. And you may think you're celebrating. Yeah, we got dinner with John and Sue. Why is it always John and Sue? We got dinner with John and Sue on Friday. That's not a celebration. That's an obligation. Because you, come on now. Because you promised John and Sue. You really don't want to go. So you're trying to come up with a lie. Oh, my kid. And um, I, got the, I got a red dot on my pinky toe. So are we talking for real? Come on. Put your hands together. Are we talking for real? That's not a celebration. It's an obligation. And chances are you're weary because you're in the cycle of work, 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 school, 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 worry, 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 anxiety, anxiety, anxiety. You have not stopped. It is a proven fact scientifically that if you would just celebrate, you, 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 would, you would recoup on the energy that you need and your capacity would grow in order to move forward into the more that God has for you. They're weary because they haven't stopped. To just say, man, we've won a few battles. Well, I know we, we're $50,000 in debt, but we're only twenty-five now. Let's go out to eat on that. you got to learn to celebrate. And he says this here, my father has made trouble for us all. Sounds a little rebellious, but he's right. Jonathan exclaimed, a command like this only hurts us. See how refreshed I am? I've eaten a little bit of honey. I just stopped for an hour. To just celebrate. I've eaten a little bit of honey. And he says this here. Do, 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 do. And if the men had been allowed to eat freely from the food they found among our enemies. That's key. I could preach on that for four weeks. Oh, my God. Some of you are winning battles that you're unaware that you're winning. Simply because you won't stop to celebrate about it. That's fine. And, and you just think because you haven't got to this finish line. But you haven't even recognized because you won't stop to celebrate it. And that's just, a, we can, I can think how many more Philistines we could have killed. Celebrating the good adds strength. And it enables you to push forward. There's still good in that marriage. There's still good in your faith walk. You are not where you used to be. There's still good in those children. There's still a lot of good you can, you can reach back into the past and grab. Even through all those poor and bad decisions. You can still reach back and say, that, that was good because God was there. And God kept me alive, and God was faithful, and God helped my body. They're still good. So, and a lot of you, you're new to your faith, so you may feel as though, man, okay, I'm, I, just kinda, I just left this old life, you know, without Christ, and I'm trying to follow Christ. Before you, today, today, before you try to take one more step with Jesus, go home and celebrate. Celebrate the good. Next thought is face the facts. If you're going to get unstuck, you got to celebrate the good and you got to face the facts. Whew. So uh, this is a healthy level of transparency. Good, we got a little bit more time. Um, no, no need for concern. Pastors are all right. Nothing urgent. 
But because, um, you know, if I say this before, making that disclaimer, people are going to be like, is he okay? Can I bake him food and bring him stuff? And I love it. But there's just, there have been some health concerns um, with me as of late, more so in the past two months. Um, things are happening that I couldn't have imagined three, mo- three months ago, six months ago. Um, but my wife, being a nurse, amplifies the situation. <laughs> so it's like, well, I guess that's it. Just, just line up my funeral. <laughs> like, you know, it's just a bump. You know, it's just a bump on it's ingrown hair. It ain't can't, you know what I mean? Like, it's just something, right? Like, like we're good, right? I'm good. I'm good. Right? And that's what I've been saying, Aaron. I'm good. I'm good. Well, no, but that happened. Okay, we'll see if it happens again. Good. It happened again. Okay. I might not be good. And, and I've had to come to realize, you know, I'm not 20 anymore. All right? So, so, so you, you don't just eat it and it, and it evaporates. <laughs> you know, I, I got to watch the colors I wear. When I'm preaching. Like I was a little. Hey. No. I, no. I'm, this is me. I, wherever you are. Don't be taking offenses. This is me. I'm, I'm used to being slammed down. But like even today I was like. I don't know about this blue. Because if I. If I just breathe. So the whole time I'm up here like. Yeah. Face the facts. Celebrate the good. But y'all, like, it's real. Child loves when I do this because I've been eating everything in sight, and that's probably part of the problem. But I've had to face the fact and say, okay, babe, we're going to go to the doctor. And the doctor has had to look at me in my face and say, well, I need you to get me your family history. And when you do that, we're going to proceed with this specialty. So I don't know, but we got to face the facts. And uh, hard times, being stuck, stress, depression, sickness, it has no favorites. You can be a pastor, you can be the pope, you can be the president, you can be a janitor, you can be a stay-at-home mom. We all know if you've lived long enough, it has no favorites. But we got to face the fact. There's, uh, in Jim Collins' book, From Good to Great, you ought to pick it up, Jim Collins, From Good to Great. He talks about the Stockdale Paradox. And essentially the Stockdale Paradox states that productive change begins when you confront the brutal facts. You got to confront them. The brutal facts. Like, um, like just for example, for debt, right? If, if, you've, if you're in debt, like a lot of us, we try to forbear it, defer it put it off, borrow more debt to pay off that debt. We try to take a nap on it. We try to hit the decline button, the red button when they call. As if one day it's just going to evaporate. And it's only getting bigger and bigger with the late fees. It's not going to disappear. I'm talking to you as a brother now, not not even as a spiritual father or pastor. It's not going to disappear. And you got to, what you got to do is you got to learn to confront it. Say, okay, this is the situation. Our marriage is not healthy. 
but we're, we're resolute. And we got to find a way to talk this through and make it work. Right. You got to face it. You, sometimes, for some of us, a lot of us, we think it's, it's, it's weird to have counseling. It's not. And the church has done a, a poor job at this. Let me tell you, you need Jesus. But for a lot of things, you also need counseling. And, and it's not a bad thing to say, I got Christ and I got God and God is good in my life and I got the Bible and I got prayer. It's not a bad thing to say, but I need counseling. You got to face that fact. Because if not, the issue is, is that if you don't face it, you're going to remain stuck. And, and according to what Joshua and Caleb saw, when you remain stuck, the option to move forward is no longer. The only option is to die. Yep. So you got to face it. Uh, your, your Lord and Savior had to face the facts. You do understand this. He had to face the fact of going to the cross. As a matter of fact, that's why I love Jesus so much. The Bible says that you don't have a high priest or a Savior who does not understand what you go through. You don't, you don't have, he's not God in heaven like, you better do this and you got to do it and I'll zap you with a little strength from time to time. Do it. No, he came, he lived in a body. He, know what it, he knew what it was to be hungry. He knew what it was to be broke. He knew what it was to be sick. He knew what it was to not have his real father in his life. He, he knew what it was to be in a mixed family. He knew what it was to, he, he went through it all. He was single his entire life. He died a virgin. He knew what it was. Any, any scenario in this room, Jesus could cover times a thousand. He, he knew what it was. And he had to learn to face the facts so that he did not get stuck. So now we're going to enter into the Garden of Gethsemane, which means the pressing. And so they've come into the Garden of Gethsemane. They're about to arrest him to take him to the cross, the most vicious execution in human history. He was going to have to go through it for our sins. He has his three top disciples, Peter, James, and John. And he says, okay, guys, I'm going through the roughest, toughest time of my life. Can you stay here and pray for me? He went deeper into the garden to pray. He's talking to God, talking, talking. He goes back to check the three, James, Peter, and John. Can you guys get up? I need you. I need your support. I need you to pray for me. I need you to call me. I need you to check up on me. I need you to encourage me. I need you to pour into me. Can you guys please get up? They got up. He goes back to pray. He prays. He goes back to them and they're asleep. You can read this in Luke 22. It says, guys, can you please get up? He's feeling lonely now. I'm lonely. Jesus felt it too. He goes back to pray. He goes back. They're asleep. He says, okay, take your rest. And we're going to enter it here, Luke 22, 42 through 44. Facing the facts. Father, if you are willing, please take this cup of suffering away from me. We're going to pause right there. This is the reason you came. To die on the cross for the sins of humanity. And you know that this is the path that I've chosen for you. Never have we seen Jesus so vulnerable. Read all your gospels. He's commanding Satan. He's casting out demons. He's healing the sick. He's walking on water. 
He is, he's doing all kinds of things, but never have we seen Jesus have to come face to face with the facts. That the way that you're going to fulfill your calling and step into the joy of bringing billions of people back home to me, to heaven, it's going to have to be through the cross. So the fact is, is that you got a cross. Jesus is tempted in this moment to turn his back on it. But I thank God he didn't. I thank God he didn't. He, He chose more so to face the facts. And he said this here. He says this here, yet I want your will to be done, not mine. Then an angel from heaven appeared and strengthened him. We can preach on this too in the sense that we're looking for support from people in certain seasons, but only God can give you a supernatural touch in certain seasons. So you may be in a season right now where you're looking for closure, resolution, peace, clarity. It may not come from the source that you think it's going to come from. It may only come from God. He prayed more fervently, and he was in such agony of spirit that his sweat fell to the ground like great drops of blood. This is hemohydrosis. When you're in fear of death, his blood capillaries were bursting, and so blood started to get into his sweat glands. And when he sweat, he was bleeding because he was under such duress. The weight of the sins of the world, past, present, and us were on him. But he faced the facts. Question now becomes, what facts are God calling you to face? If you're stuck, chances are you haven't faced the brutal facts. This relationship may need distance. I may need to change the way I think. The Bible says that life and death are in the power of the tongue. And those who love the fruit will eat thereof. That's King James. That says that whatever you say, that's how your life is going to be. Maybe you need to confront your own tongue. Maybe you need to repent and confess, I've been negative all my life. But through the grace of God, I can be faith-filled. I can be powerful. I can speak life. I can love people. I can have hope. I can put a smile on my face. God is good. You got to face the facts. You got to face the facts. If you're going to get unstuck. Third point here, see the opportunities. So celebrate the good, face the facts, see the opportunities. Seven minutes. Y'all okay? Yeah. Mm. I'm good, dear. See the opportunities. I want to I encourage you this if you're taking notes. Go ahead and write this down. That God's promises have a life cycle. The promise of God has a life cycle. And and that's, that's a general principle, a theme that you see in Scripture, okay? And I'm going to use Jesus as the primary example because at one point in human history, Jesus was a promise to humanity. Even since the Garden of Eden, when Adam and Eve fell, God promised us Christ. He, he's always been a promise. Your, your promises from God or dreams have a life cycle. Number one, if you're writing notes, conception. You conceive. The prophets in the Old Testament conceived a vision of Christ. Conception. Number two, in any ideal conception, number two, the next step is birth. Number three, Christ died. Death. The dream will seemingly die. Your hope, that promise, 
will seemingly die. Number four, praise God, resurrection. That is the life cycle of every promise that God gives you. Conception, birth, death, resurrection. I remember when we stepped out of real life, our, our, our previous church, and the call was clear. Highlight. You're going to start Highlight Church. Before I was on staff at Real Life and ordained as a pastor, I worked in the hospital. Served there for about three, three and a half years, and there was not a jump from Real Life to Highlight. God said, I'm going to take you out of Real Life and put you back into the hospital. So the conception had happened. The birth of ministry in my heart had happened. But when I went back to the hospital, I could have interpreted it as the death of the dream, in which it did for a moment. And not only that, it was 7, 8, 7 p.m. to 7 a.m. shift. And a lot of us, when there's the death of a dream, we're tempted to believe that this is it. This is it for my life. This is it for my destiny. This is it for my future. This is it for this area of my life. may not be me, but this area is dead. The temptation could have been for me as, man, we're never going to start this church. I got to go back to the hospital. But I interpreted it as an opportunity. I would show up to work 7 p.m. By 8 p.m., I was free. From 8 p.m. to 3 a.m., that was seven hours to work on all things highlight. And we called it the year of preparation, 2015. A lot of you have misinterpreted preparation as death. It's a season of preparation. And what you got to do is you got to see when you feel stuck. I want a new job. You don't want a new job. Because the same things you're saying about this job, you said about the last job. I want a new church. You don't want a new church. Same things you said about this church. Come on now, Meg. I'm glad Megan is back home. I need you because you don't mind a little. Come on, Megan and baby Selena are here. That's our administrator. Welcome home. The same thing you said about your old church, give it 15 days. Start saying about your new church and your new pastor. Same thing you said about the second job, you'll say about the third. And at a certain point, I got to look in the mirror and say, it ain't the job. It ain't the church. It ain't this pastor. It ain't this leader. It might be me. I may not be seeing the opportunities that God has given me in the positions that he's placed me in. So are you, are you seeing the opportunities to grow, to, to have a change of mind, to get stronger, to be wiser, to be obscure, to be in obscurity. A lot of us, we want the limelight and we want to be top and we want to be founder and CEO. We want to be all that. But God will call you to 40 years of obscurity, spiritually, metaphorically speaking. Hopefully it ain't 40 years, but speaking in terms of how Christ used to speak in parables. God will call you to 40 years of not being seen. Jesus was hidden for 29 years and he knew since the day he was born, because he was God, that I am God. But he waited 29 years to grow and to serve and to develop. Are you seeing the opportunities in your quote-unquote stuck place? 
there's a great chance that you're not stuck, but you've been placed by God. So stop trying to get unstuck in the place where he wants you to see the opportunity to grow you from the inside. Stop trying to get unstuck. I'm going to just go. No, well, don't do that. Put a smile on it. Put a smile on it. Serve it. Grow it. Care about what your supervisor cares about. Bring some flowers to work tomorrow. Or if they're male, whatever. Bring flowers. to. I like flowers. Bring flowers to them. Someone just gave me some pink flowers. I loved them. In a car with no money in it, but I took it. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> I'm tired, and we got to go. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> That was funny as heck, dude. Oh, man. I'm sorry. You got to celebrate it. You got to laugh at yourself sometime. But see the opportunity. Well, I'm in school. I got all these assignments. It's an opportunity to get an A. Got to see it. You're not stuck. You've been placed. I love what James says here. James chapter 1, verse 2. He says, Dear brothers and sisters, James chapter 1, verse 2 says, Dear brothers and sisters, he says, When troubles of any kind come your way, he doesn't say try to get out of it. He doesn't say try to slide and cut corners. Let's consider it an opportunity. The definition of an opportunity is a chance for a greater outcome. So maybe if you escape the stuck place too soon, watch this, you lose your chance for a greater outcome. He says, considering an opportunity for great Joy. Let's keep reading. I didn't read it last time. Verse 3 says, For you know that when your faith is tested, that your endurance has a chance to grow. Verse 4, so let it grow. I get the idea that Joshua and Caleb never went to God and said, Hey, could you cut this sentence in half? It's been 20 years. I think they really tapped into like, it is what it is. I, I, I told a few people, um, I forgot which group I told this to. I think it was one post huddle. I said, when you, when you understand when it comes to serving the local church, th- this is so powerful. Oh, my God. God gave this to me a couple years ago. He said, um, when you're serving the local church, you have to understand something. You're not building the church. The church is building you. We got to get up at 6 a.m.? On a Sunday, when my losing Redskins are playing, don't waste your money or your time. Laura, leaning over. Don't hide from me. She's laughing and leaning. Is it good? I'm, right now, I'm in your house. I'm in your bedroom. I'm in your bathroom. You know what I'm talking about. Yeah, we got to show up at 630. I got a baby. I can't show up that early. 
let it grow. There's a reason why the other jobs aren't calling you back. Because you're trying to open doors that God does not want to open. Grow. Stay there. Why? But why? Here's the promise. Verse 4. Pull it up for me. Let it grow. For when your endurance is fully developed, you will be perfect and complete, needing nothing. You will know how to go through every season of your life in complete peace. Last point here, make the move. Make the move. Celebrate the good. Face the facts. See the opportunities. Make the move. I love Galatians 5, verse 1. says this, It is for freedom that Christ has set us free. As we close out, I just want to encourage you. I don't have much more to say, but I just want to encourage you that you are free. You are free. You are free. Chances are there are certain areas in your life where God has called you to make a move. And it may not be like a a tangible move. It may be more of a spiritual move. So there could be a prayer that you're not praying, that you're afraid to ask God. It could be a, a conversation or a discussion you need to have with someone. And he's been preparing you, preparing your heart to have that discussion. I don't know. It, it could be quitting your job as much as we've talked about not. It, it could be whatever it is, make the move. You're free. When Christ set you free from sin, he set you completely free. So if he's called you, make the move. Get unstuck. Whatever that is, I don't know. You know. God knows. Make the move. Let's celebrate God's work. All right, come on, church, let's pray, let's pray. Father, I thank you so much for your, for your word, God. We thank you for the seeds that were deposited in our hearts. And we ask that, that they would bear fruit 100-fold. God, we hear you. You're telling us to celebrate the good, face the facts, see the opportunities, and make the move. Lord, we know that when we do these things, That you're faithful. Because we're not stuck in any circumstance. We're stuck to you. It is our belief, Lord, that Joshua and Caleb kept moving, even in the wilderness. So that when you called them to take that step into the promised land, they were ready to go. So God, give us the grace and the strength and the wisdom to make the moves that you want us to make. Allow us to bury our hearts and our faces into scripture this week. God, I ask that you would speak to each one of us as we pick up a gospel, as we read one of Paul's letters, as we read Genesis, wherever we are. Lord, I ask that you would speak to us as we read your word. Now for everyone in here, every head bowed. Maybe you're saying, I need Jesus in my heart today. Or maybe you know Christ, but you haven't been walking with him for a long time. I want to give you this opportunity to come to God. The most important decision, the greatest decision you could ever make. Everything can change for your life today. Even for those of you who know church, but you don't know God. Now's your opportunity. 
So we're gonna pray this prayer together. I invite you to pray this prayer. Repeat after me, church. Say, Father God, I believe that Jesus is the Son of God. I turn from my life of sin. Fill my heart with your spirit. I am yours in Jesus' name. Amen. Let's celebrate, church.